Hello and welcome to episode one of Second Operator, a podcast dedicated to portable desktop synthesizers and the Dallas music community. I am Shines and I will be your humble host for uh, this show. Some of you might know me from my YouTube channel, which is called Shines TV, where I make tutorials on synthesizers like the OP-1 and the Mother 32. Um, and a huge welcome if you're coming over from that community. This is going to be a very different, uh, very new format for me. I've never actually done a podcast or a live stream like this before. So um, this is going to be interesting. And obviously, this is episode one. So if there's any weird technical glitches, clicks and pops, um, please bear with us here. We're going to move things right along. Um, I wanted to kind of explain what I wanted uh, this show to be, my main goal. And that is to give back to this community, a community of musicians, of artists like yourselves. Um, you guys have been so supportive of me and my music for the past few years. And I really wanted to kind of turn things back around to you and help showcase some of the amazing work that you guys are creating. I also want to discuss news of the portable synthesizer world, such as uh, new synthesizer releases. Um, I want to help shed some light on any new things that are happening, any new events going on uh, within the world of Dallas music and portable synthesizers. So um, that's really my main goal. I think now is actually a really great time to be getting into portable synthesizers and music in general. There's just a lot of new portable electronic devices coming out these days. Um, and in the synthesizer world as well, you have things like the Korg Volkas, you have the Roland Ira series, and of course you have tons and tons of teenage engineering stuff. Um, but what actually makes this decade special is that we're now starting to see the rise of small independent, call it DIY synthesizer makers. And you used to see only DIY stuff in the modular kind of Eurorack space, but now we're going to see it more and more in the world of portable synths, which to me is just so exciting. And it really made me want to start uh, not only a podcast to uh, showcase your work, but also to just talk about some of the stuff that's been happening um, in this world that we enjoy so much. Um, recently, we've had synthesizers like the Pluto from Modern Sounds. We've had the Navigator from Blind Monk Instruments. These are all self-contained instruments that are created by you guys, really, in the uh, community here. So it's pretty cool stuff. Anyways, those are the main goals of this podcast. I really just want to shine a light on the portable synthesizer space and, of course, showcase the music you guys are making with these amazing instruments. Today on episode one, we have a very special guest, the talented modular synthesis Brennan Fowler. We're going to talk about his musical career. We're going to talk about his favorite uh, Dallas gear, and we're going to listen to some of his tracks a little bit later. So with that, I'm going to officially kick things off with my new live stream and podcast right here on Second Operator. First, let's go over some of the latest news. My first news story has to do with something that I'm pretty sure all of you are very familiar with. It is MIDI. If you could believe, MIDI has now been around for 40 years. I am pretty shocked that it's uh, this old, but it's pretty cool that it's stuck around for so long. It was first uh, implemented or first released, I guess, in 1983, and now it's reaching its 40th birthday. And to celebrate that at the NAM trade show this year, uh, happening on April 14th, which is 
I believe just in a week or two, um, they are actually doing a special preview of what is called MIDI 2.0. Um, it's got a new logo. It has the same look though. It's the same exact five pin DIN cable, but it has a lot of new features packed into it. Um, according to MIDI.org, um, it's going to be backwards compatible with all of your current gear and it's going to be bi-directional, which uh, to me is kind of awesome. Imagine just having one cable to send information into your synth, but to also send information back out of it, which is so, so cool. Um, it opens the doors for a lot of uh, expression, a lot more communication happening between instruments, which is, of course, what MIDI is all about. So really excited to see more news on that in the coming weeks and um, excited to see some synthesizers and some instruments that actually implement uh, MIDI 2.0. We'll probably see a few more uh, towards the end of this year. I know there's, I think, at least one... I think it's from Roland. There's a MIDI controller out there that has it now, but um, I can't wait to start seeing more instruments that implement MIDI 2.0. The second news story today has to do with a Japanese instrument company called Suzuki, which I'm pretty sure you guys have all heard of, and an instrument called the Omnichord, which um, if you're not watching the stream, you can't see a picture of it right now, but it's a really interesting looking instrument. It is uh, kind of like a digital uh, or a synthesizer version of an auto harp where you click a button and you strum and it'll then of course play or synthesize in this case those notes so you can use it as an accompanying instrument it's just a really fun looking thing um, it's kind of shaped like a tennis what is like a tennis racket cover if you guys have seen that before but it's got just a bunch of buttons and dials and it has this nice metal plate on it which is where you strum your thumb it's kind of like a Kind of like a touch panel, something like you'd see on a stylophone or a Korg Volca. Very, very cool. So Suzuki is celebrating its 70th anniversary this year. A lot of anniversaries this year. Um, they first invented or they first released the Omnichord back in 1981. And in 1999, there was another iteration of the Omnichord. And what they're doing this year to mark their 70th anniversary is they are actually introducing a brand new version of the Omnichord. Uh, we don't know if it's a redesign completely or if it's just kind of like a, you know, like a, a throwback, if you will. But either way, it's super exciting that we're getting a new version of the Omnichord. Did not think that would uh, happen. Um, I, for one, am hoping for a compact version of the Omnichord with maybe some MIDI, some external sequencing capabilities. I mean, a guy can dream, right? So that's Suzuki for you. My last bit of news is actually about a newcomer to the sampler slash looper space. It is this adorable synthesizer called the Chompy. It's currently live on Kickstarter. I believe it is a Kickstarter from Washington State. Um, they had a goal of raising $30,000, but it has now reached over $1 million. So there's a lot of love for this little synthesizer. And again, if you're not watching the live stream, it is a small kind of a rectangular black box, but I believe it also comes in pink, which is pretty cool. And it sort of looks like an OP1 had a baby with a Keychron mechanical computer keyboard. Um, all of the little playable keys on it are chunky computer keys. And according to their Kickstarter page, you're going to be able to pull these off and stick new ones on there. Very similar to those very popular mechanical keyboards you see on uh, 
you know, on people's Instagrams these days. So really cool. It's got a bunch of dials and other buttons on it. Really colorful buttons. There's a bright purple dial and it's got a lot of cute imagery on it. Little uh, characters, it looks like little eyes, things of that nature. But everything just looks so friendly and adorable. And of course, it's got a handle on the back. I mean, that's just icing on the cake there. That is a very beautiful looking keyboard. Um, apparently, it's got an onboard microphone that you'll use to record sounds. And then you'll, of course, uh, click the keys to then play them back. And I think that purple dial is to maybe fast forward and rewind your samples. Um, it just seems like a pretty versatile instrument, both you know, in its use, but also aesthetically with you being able to change out some of the keys. So I actually think it's the only keyboard or the only synthesizer out there you can really do that to. So really interesting uh, idea there. And of course, this is another one of these examples of a synthesizer that's made by the community, by the synthesizer enthusiasts that are out there that know how to, you know, code a little bit, that know maybe messed around with some breadboards and stuff. But it's just really cool. It's really, it really is uplifting to see that these new devices are starting to make their way uh, to us, whether it be a, you know, be via Kickstarter or, um, you know, other types of releases here. Um, one more little tidbit about this keyboard, aside from it being really adorable and a really cool thing to add to your desktop arsenal here. Um, apparently, they are working on a user upgradable kind of a hardware mod where you can actually insert a battery into it and it'll then be completely portable. You'll be able to have a um, lithium ion rechargeable battery on there. Very, very cool stuff. So that's all the news we have for today. And now we're going to go ahead and move it into our guest interview. I would like everyone to give our very first guest ever a very warm welcome to the podcast. We're going to be talking with Brennan Fowler today. He produces and performs his own music using analog hardware, modular synthesizers as well. He's got influences stemming from Brian Eno, Aphex Twin, Flying Lotus. You're going to see him playing everything from beat-driven tunes to generative ambient vibes, as you will hear. He's also been a driving force in the synthesizer community here in North Carolina. He's organized events such as Modular on the Spot Greensboro, among other synthesizer meetups and shows. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Brennan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing awesome. I'm so happy to have... Uh, you on the show as my first guest. This is super, super exciting. Um, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and just get started here. Do you want to just take a second to maybe introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about your background, where you're from, and really in general, how you got into music? So um, my name is Brennan Fowler. I'm from Greensboro, North Carolina, born and raised. Um... I got started in music kind of young, probably around 15, I'd say. I Maybe even earlier than that, I started playing drums, and uh, soon after that, got into keyboards and joined a band. And the rest is kind of history. I've been kind of bleeping, blooping along the way ever since. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard a drummer moving into keyboards before. That's pretty unique. Yeah. Um, I played drums for a while um, by myself. <laughs> so no one could um, hear me or, you know, get annoyed. And then I moved on to guitar. My dad bought me a guitar 
played that for a while. Always really liked the guitar. Um, and I was playing with a friend and he had a keyboard and he's like, Hey man, have you ever tried playing keyboard? I was like, no. And I plucked around a little bit on it. He said, man, you should really like give that a try. And soon after that, I bought a Korg micro Korg and that's kind of what started my synth keyboard journey. Nice. That's awesome. I mean, I've heard you play uh, synthesizers live and man, you shred. Absolutely <laughs> shred. And um, I, don't, I don't know if you were able to shred much on the micro cord because those keys are so small that yeah, um, I don't know. Tiny. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very like not sensitive, but um, <laughs> that is super cool that you got a micro cord. Um, so that was your first synthesizer. So did you do any patching, tweaking, any like sound design on there? Yeah, I think that's kind of where I fell in love with synthesis um, is surfing around on those patches for so long and being like, okay, well, how are these made and how can I make them my own? Mm -hmm. So I started altering them a little bit. Um, and I just got to the point where I was hearing all those sounds everywhere. And I was like, I really want to make my own sounds. And I mean, to be honest, the the mod matrix in the Korg Micro Korg is pretty cool and you can do a lot with it. Um, yeah, the micro keys are micro keys, but I got small hands, so I don't really, it <laughs> never really bothered me. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. That mod matrix is pretty cool. That's that grid like thing at the top left, I think, right? Where you can set what dials do what. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you can um, send modulation through you know, various sources to different things to turn the knobs. Um, and later on, I actually got an MS-2000. Was, was, was that your like, second synthesizer or was that kind of just your next, the next step from there? Um, I think the next synthesizer I got was another Korg like X50. Where I was just playing piano and roads and pads and stuff like that on. Mm -hmm. Um and then I bought the Moog. Um, but after shortly after that, the, the micro cord kept um, just kind of eating it with the keys. The keys kept breaking and they weren't doing good on the road. And that had become the band's sound. So we were like, okay, well, you know, we need another way to do this without the micro cord, but still have those sounds. Oh, wow. So we found the MS-2000 and it actually has the same sound engine you know, bigger set of keys, um, and not per function. So that's kind of that in the Moog is where I got started. I'd say in, um, really diving in on synthesis. Wow. So you were already touring when you were what, 15, 16? Um, yeah, I'd say we, we, I, I, I don't even think I was, I was I was old enough to drive. I definitely wasn't old enough to drink yet. And we were <laughs> we were playing festivals and touring around and um, having fun and playing with a lot of good musicians. Whoa, that's crazy. How'd that feel as a youngster to be in in spaces with a bunch of you know I guess older drunk people? Honestly, it was it was humbling and. I've, I've always felt grateful for that community. I've, I've, I, I love that 
um, so many people here in North Carolina can come together for some really cool music. Nice. So you were mostly doing music stuff here then in, in North Carolina, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, mostly here in North Carolina. We did some shows in, uh, Virginia. Uh, we played a couple festivals out of state, uh, South Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia. Um, we went to Alabama once, um, a couple states up north and played some shows and yeah, toured around. Do you have any um, um, favorite locations that you guys have played in synthesizer band wise? Hmm. Um, the eight by 10 in Baltimore was a really cool venue to play. Um, man, there's been so many good ones. Uh, really too, too many good ones to name. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, the, the flat iron has really come a far away. And uh, I'm, I've been really impressed with the sound in there lately. Right. This is the Flatiron in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. They've um, I don't I don't know if they've recently reopened or whatnot, but they've definitely had a major overhaul in their um, sound and their you know stage and stuff. But I will say, you know, when when I saw you guys there, um, it seems like you guys brought like lights and you had so many other types of effects and stuff that you played with has that always kind of been a thing that you've that you've wanted to do in performance have a bunch of lights and uh, effects yeah that's definitely always been our dream and with the with the band i'm playing with now ono casino that has definitely been the vision from the start is to um to create a a scene and a and a mood um, during performance. That's awesome. I'm actually really glad that you segued over to, um, Ono Casino, um, because you guys are a amazing band. It's just you and Hunter McBride. Am I saying his name right? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he shreds on guitar while you shred on the keys. And, um, I kind of wanted to get into a little bit about how you collaborate and how you kind of approach, um, writing, uh, either by yourself or with others. Um, how would you say, you know, you collaborate? I mean, how do you guys work, um, together? So I'd say we we both write a bunch of riffs on our own, obviously, um, and then we bring things together and kind of share uh, with one another, you know, what what we like and what we can kind of see becoming a song or a progression. Um, honestly, um, hats off to Hunter. He really like has just been churning them out lately, and it's super. Um, it's just super humbling to be able to play with somebody as good as him and um, to back him up, so to speak. So, um, well, dude, you are also, you are right there with him, man. I mean, you are absolutely killing it out there. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what's what's beautiful about what we're doing right now is we both have a voice in what we're doing and. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's just it's a beautiful thing to be able to share that with people. Wow. When you guys are um, sharing riffs and stuff, as you were saying, um, how, how do you do that? Do you put them down on sequencers? Uh, what kind of stuff are you using to share your ideas? OK, yeah. So with Casino, um, when we first started, we were kind of using the Digitact a lot as nice. our main kind of brain. Uh, we, we quickly switched over to 
the um, Machine Plus by Native Instruments um, because we could do a lot more samples. Um, it, it sounded a lot better and we could do a lot more with it. Um, ever since we've got that, it's really taken our song arrangement and creation to the next level. Um, as far as him sampling what I may be playing, um, we may use that later on, or um, him just bringing up a riff and us making a sequence on the fly. Um, it, it it really is a, a beast of a machine. Wow. Actually, I'm not too familiar with the Machine Plus. Um, from what I know, it is a standalone um, it sort is, of a beat sequencing. Yeah. So does it work in loops kind of like similar to something like Ableton does where you're looping MIDI sequences? Is that kind of how it works? Yeah. So you could do that. Um, there's samples. You can loop samples. Um, uh, we also send out MIDI from the machine to our external hardware, like synthesizers and drum machines, stuff like that. Right. You guys had like 90 synthesizers on stage with you. It was it was like stepping into, you know, Valhalla. It was so cool. You had everything. You had Moogs. You had the Korgs with you. Um, I think we had like the Korg Prologue as well. So all of yeah. that stuff was being sequenced through the Machine Plus. Yeah, so all of that was being directly sequenced from the Machine Plus. How does the MIDI and work? Does, do you have like a MIDI splitter or something that you're using? Um, we do have one MIDI box that we're using right now mm -hmm. as a splitter and through. Um, it also has uh, a few USB uh, USB MIDIs as well. Nice. So we're using those. We're using all the MIDI it's got. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, you guys, there were a lot of uh, cables on that stage with you guys too. Yeah. Wow. Were your lights it's hooked up to that by any way or um not yet mm. um right now our light guy and us are trying to figure out a way to the best way we want to do that to get the resolution that we're kind of looking for but that is to come that is super cool i can't, I can't wait to see your future so shows with all the lights and stuff synchronized it's going to be so cool um if oh, yeah. i could maybe bring it back to you as a solo artist um, you seem to have a ton of gear behind you. Um, what kinds of stuff do you work on, you know, while you're solo? What kind of gear um, would you say you really click with and, and use when you're by yourself? Um, I'd say the stuff that I click with most are probably groove boxes and things that resemble groove boxes. Um, I think it's just from being in bands for years that it's kind of, built in me to make songs um i i'd say the digitect is probably the one i use the most i used the novation circuit for a while nice. um even when i'm building a modular system i kind of tend to just make a groove box out of it um so that and i think that i think the reason for that is to have all my tools in one place and mm -hmm. to be able to go anywhere I want from ambient to, um, you know, house or techno, whatever it may be. Nice. So would you say you're still kind of a drummer at heart? 
kind of start, that's your starting point? You know, I, I go back and forth. It's either the drums or I'll start with a melody. Um, I'm, I'm pretty big on the, I'm pretty big on starting on the melody and kind of figuring out where I want to go from there. Oh, that's cool. That's like, um, almost like classical music where you pick a theme and then kind of, you know, work, uh, magic around that <laughs> sure yeah wow yeah oh that's interesting because we actually have two examples of your music here uh tonight um and the first one is a call it an ambient piece on the korg wave state and the second one is more of a um modular percussive um type thing that we were just talking about here so i'll, I'll come and play uh the wave state one first um, okay. And maybe we can talk a little bit about how you came up with that. But would you say this is maybe an example or a good example of your more melodic type pieces? I'd say so. I'd okay. say so, definitely, yeah. Cool. All right, let's check this one out. We're going to go ahead and play Andas. Did I get that right? That's right. Okay, cool. We're going to play Andas by Brennan Fowler right here on the second operator. you kind of built upon there and did you have effects running how how did you build this piece um actually this is actually if i remember correctly this is four arpeggiator four random arpeggiators um and four different samples so there's four layers on the cork wave state um and i chose some kind of orchestral string kind of like samples if mm -hmm. i remember correctly mm -hmm. and played some chords and let the arpeggiator kind of do its thing on random and a lot of effects, a lot of reverb and delay, um, tape delay and uh, chords. The new chord stuff has got some really good DSP effects. I mean, really so that, good. All of that was within the wave state. All of that just, there was no uh, external effects? Correct. That was all in the wave state, that one was. Wow. That is super cool. Yeah, I think it's a real powerhouse. I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's a little menu divey, you know. It's um, it's a little button clicky, but mm -hmm. uh, I think at the end of the day, it, I mean, it can yield some cool results mm -hmm. at um, just by itself. I yeah. Mean, um, 
it can do a lot more in ambient too. It's got drums and stuff like that you could sequence. Um, uh, I wasn't even tapping into the sequencer on that video. That was just arpeggios. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See, I, I've got the um, the mini log, which is sort of their oh, yeah. like analog, you know, poly synth that they have, and that's got some pretty cool DSP effects in it as well. Um, yeah. But how does the? Can you tell me a little bit more about the wave state and kind of how it generates those uh, tones? So. As far as I know, you can you can choose. It's all, it's basically sample based. Um, they have a bunch of different filters to choose from, a bunch of different effects. Um, for four layers, and then you also have a vector joystick, so you can kind of go between those layers on a joystick and an X Y axis. Um, wow. Not only does it have the four layers, but you also have eight macro knobs, if I can remember correctly. Wow. Um, so you can modulate that stuff as well. My gosh. The um, the, eff- the effects in it, again, are, I mean, really take it home, I think. Wow. Yeah, I don't I don't know if, I, I may, mind you, I haven't played it in a little bit here, but I don't remember whether or not the menu log has a tape delay built into it. But I got to, I got to like, get that thing back on and and kind of dive into it a little bit further yeah that's crazy also i think we just became the very first podcast to say uh vector joystick um so i think (laughs) i think that's like we need like a stamp or a sticker or something with that um you also said macro knobs i don't know like this might be a first (laughs) (laughs) yeah more macro knobs and more vector vector joysticks you got it i need that on a t-shirt man that's awesome Wow, that's cool. Um, like when um, I got so many so many questions about the wave state here. I mean, when did you decide to get, and why did you decide to get a uh, Korg wave state? Actually, I had been looking out for one for a while, and um, I saw that their price went up, and I just kept searching, 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 and somebody at a um, a local like secondhand store had it, and I think, I mean, I got a really, really good deal on it. They were just, they, they, they didn't want anything to do with it. They were like, please like take this from us. That is like, Um, that's the Holy grail that I think all of us synthesizer enthusiasts are after. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Like my gosh, I have dreams where like I go to some estate sale or like a yard sale or something. And they're like, yeah, I got this like thing called a, like a Moog or a Moog. Like, I have no idea what it is. Can you just like (laughs) take it? You know what I mean? Like, wow. I think a lot of us have that dream of just like, just dreaming about that is, that's such a cool story. I'm glad that, um, the wave state has come into your life in the way that it did. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. Me too. Wow. Well, shifting on to some of your modular stuff, I'm noticing a gigantic modular setup uh, behind you there. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you got into modular and, and sort of how you feel about uh, making music uh, in this particular way? Sure, yeah. Um, I got into modular, man, I want to say it's been almost 10 years now uh, when I started maybe even earlier than that, that I heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never, I just couldn't, I couldn't afford it. I just thought it was un- unobtainable. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, I, I always dreamed of having it. And 
looking online and stuff like that. Um, eventually, I want to say it's 2015, 2016, 2017, I got my first module and bought a rack. Um, and then I just kind of got sucked down the rabbit hole from there. Uh, I'd used some software stuff like um, kind of like the modular kind of stuff in Reason, um, of course, Ableton and a uh, little bit of Reactor and stuff like that. Um, but I, I only had a couple of times to actually like play with a physical modular. Um, so that, that was definitely a big dream of mine that came true. <laughs> oh, um, I think the modulars is so awesome because not only is it so dynamic, but the, the depth of the instrument, um, like I was kind of saying earlier, you can make a groove box out of it. Mm-hmm. You could make kind of an ambient canvas palette, um, you could make a techno system, uh, whatever, you know, whatever kind of music you do or whatever kind of instrument you can dream, you could build it in modular. Um, and there was a kind of, there was a bunch of options and a bunch of ways to go. Mm-hmm. And I saw Eurorack getting more popular. And as it got more popular, I was like, oh, let me dive into this and, you know, dip my toe in a little bit. Um, what they tell you and what you should definitely heed as advice is mm-hmm. once you dip your toe in, you're going to fall down that rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really good advice. I think a lot of our listeners are either, you know, thinking about getting into some kind of synthesizers or, you know, they want to make music in some way that's a little bit different. Um, so I think that's some pretty solid advice. Um, you're going to get sucked right into it. And I, I think I can say the same about little desktop synthesizers as well. Once you start learning about what each of these things can do, the versatility of, you know, one instrument doing like 30 different things, um, it really does become kind of addictive after a while. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so you're this, the, you're you're pretty deep in the rabbit hole at this point. I mean, as I can see, you have very beautiful uh setup behind you. Yeah, um I've gotten I've gotten pretty deep. I think deep enough to say I, you know, I know my way around my my system. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to know what they all do, but it's it's really cool to learn about them. Wow! If someone was um you know just getting into, I, I actually have not gotten into modular yet. I'm still kind of on the the dipping the toe kind of phase right now. But it, let's just say yeah. if someone was getting into modular for the very first time and knowing what you know now. Um, what would you say is like a good um, setup or what a what a good module maybe would be for um, someone just starting out? Sure. Um, well, I mean, as you know, the mother the mother 32 is, you know, and stuff like that is always great. Um, if you just kind of want to figure out if that's something you'd be kind of into and experiment with, those are always great. Um, like a semi modular, um, kind of like an all in one synthesizer yeah yeah like the um make noise ocos is a really good one too oh yeah um, that one's really really cool that yeah, one's crazy the, in the am or the zero coast whatever or uh, zero coast no, no or, coast i think no coast yeah. okay yeah mm-hmm. so the yeah. no coast and um 
the Mother 32 and stuff like that, I really think are great. But I think after doing all said and done, if I were to go back and and to do it all over again, mm-hmm. I think I would just fork it over by a case or either a small skiff, a small little pallet, mm-hmm. and buy a few modules. Um, it's just a few necessities. I think the mutable instrument stuff is great. It's probably... My favorite stuff, I think it's the most easiest to use. Um, it sounds great, and it's really easy to, like, get to know. Cool. I think um, I see a bunch of those behind you, actually. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I can, I can tell it's those beautiful multicolored knobs with the white <laughs> kind of background, right? That The plate. So, yeah. Right. really, It's, like, instantly recognizable. If you're in modular, you're probably going to either own or at least know what these mutable um, things like rings and plats and I don't, I don't particularly know my modules too well, but um, I've yeah, definitely yeah, seen my fair share of those um, at some of these meetups, um, which actually this is probably a good segue to that. Um, can you tell me how modular on the spot Greensboro started? Sure. Yeah. Um, so that started in 2017, I believe um, we started it here in Greensboro uh, essentially, I just reached out to Banna and Eric from Module on the Spot, and I said, "Hey, what what do you guys think about us starting a module on the spot here in Greensboro?" And they said, "Sure, do it." Um, they said um, it, it, would, it just has to adhere to three rules, which is always free, always outside, and always modular. Um, so since then, we've been kind of on and off doing MOTS in Greensboro. Um, pandemic was, when pandemic hit, we kind of moved locations a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were down at the park, uh, Center City Park. We were in Greensboro, and we we're also in LaBauer Park. And then we moved down to Joymongers uh, to what we call Lo-Fi Park. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we're actually creating another module on the spot here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, so that is going to be our next uh, iteration and the next place that we go. Dude, that is super exciting. I can't wait to see Modular on the Spot in Raleigh next. Um, wow. How about, um, so you are, is sorry, let me rephrase. You also run a couple other synthesizer meetups. Um, I think Pint and Patch is one of yours as well. Is that correct? So we have mm-hmm. Patch and Brew, um, I'm also really um, good friends with Brent, which we throw Pint and Patch, as well as um, our new one, which is called Meat and Bleep. <laughs> um, so keep a lookout for Patch and Brew and Pint and Patch to come back. And we have meet, our first Meat and Bleep um, May 5th. That's right. Just in one month. And that's yep. in Raleigh. At the Mecca that, restaurant, I think, right? Yep, that's Raleigh. Oh, that's um, going to be super exciting. And um, I think you'll be playing. and I will, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll be playing. I'll be playing. Yeah, and, yeah. we're going to get the whole yeah, community together. Yeah, it's going to be a really good one. Yeah. So um, what kind of got you into the mode of creating this sort of event for the community? How did that kind of come around? Um, Going to other places and... And seeing the community and 
uh, when Moog Fest used to come around and being a part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really just missed that so much. Um, and the last Moog Fest, the, the year of the last Moog Fest was the first year, or no, I'm sorry, the mm-hmm. second time we did Patch and Brew. So after that, I really just wanted to keep on building the community. Um, and I really just, I, I feel like it's it's really been growing beyond expectations ever since between Module on the Spot, uh, Passion Brew, and now our other events as well. Wow, that is awesome. Any any community that is seeing growth like that, I think is super, super duper awesome. Where do you, um, where do you see it growing or going in the next uh, few years? I I definitely see um, this community become becoming very large and growing fast. I think it's really always been North Carolina, and I think we've always had a a, a big sense of community here. It's just finding a place to get everybody together. <laughs> I feel you on that. <laughs> um, uh-huh. I, I really, yeah, I really think we're gonna. We're gonna we're gonna be put on the map for sure. Uh, I I love what we're doing here at for Module on the Spot, uh, like our other events. There's also Module on the Spot Asheville still happening. Mm. Um, our good friends in uh, Scientology in Charlotte are throwing a lot of synthesizer meets. That's Scientology, as in sine waves, and not the yep. uh, sine waves. The weird cult, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, those guys are doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it is. It is actually incredible how many synthesizer type things exist here in North Carolina. Um, it's really it. It's really cool. I mean, for the folks listening to this podcast that are you know maybe overseas or maybe thinking about you know visiting the states at some point, definitely keep us in mind. There's a lot of really really awesome people like Brennan here um, in the community that you know bring your synthesizers. Um, if they're small enough and, um, you know, come out and play, it's just a lot of fun. And it's just so cool to see this thing grow even bigger. Now, do you think, um, eventually we'll throw some festivals and maybe some bigger kind of music shows? I think so. I think definitely, um, there's a lot of, a lot of cool stuff in the works and I, I can, I can say for sure that's going to definitely happen. (laughs) That is super exciting. Um, speaking of which, um, as we kind of wrap things up in our interview, um, do you have any upcoming shows or releases or anything you'd like to plug, uh, while you're on air? Sure. Yeah. So as far as releases go, um, I'm currently editing a few videos, so that should be coming out soon and the releases will follow for that. Um, a couple other album like releases, uh, to come soon. As far as shows go, on April 20th, me and Hunter will be playing an Ono Casino, opening up for Ghostland Observatory, um, April 20th at Ziggy's in High Point. Um, the next night, we'll be playing a festival um, called the Hootenanny, and then I believe the night after, we might have a show too. Um, the following week, I believe, uh, the 29th, I'll be representing Patch and Brew and Module on the Spot at the Wake Forest STEM event for kids. And we'll have 
uh, table set up with synthesizers, modular gear, drum machines, toys, noise boxes, um, everything for the kids to play with and Whoa. to learn about synthesis. Oh, and that's super cool. I'm really jealous of, of those students. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really happy to be working with the kids again. And I just, every chance we get to work with them is, is awesome. Wow. Well, and cool. I think the next week after that is the meet and bleep, which wow. is a performance. Um, we'll have performances and stuff like that, but also it's just, uh, come hang out with us. Um, meet and talk with us and yeah come and bleep with us <laughs> nice man you are busy <laughs> gotta say i got like one thing happening now and that's like that's it you know but wow you are definitely um you are killing it well, th well thank you man we're, we're definitely <laughs> gonna have you on for more i, I know that I, I remember our last show it was incredible watching you play and um we're definitely glad to make that happen again well thank you so much i i will happily happily show up um with my tiny synthesizers to play there <laughs> all right we're gonna move on to uh, your modular track here it's called kin um and yeah just want to say thanks again for being on the show brennan um and at the very end, I'll kind of give a little bit of more explanation as how you guys can follow Brennan uh, later on here on uh, YouTube as well as on Instagram. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining us, Brennan. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Let's move on to Brennan's track called Kin.
You are listening to Brennan Fowler's piece called Kin, a modular piece which he tells me um, all the percussion is done with one mutable um, module, which is pretty, pretty awesome. Thank you so much for joining us here on Second Operator. You can follow Brennan Fowler right here on YouTube as well as on Instagram at, at Brennan Fowler IB. Brennan Fowler Rib on Instagram. So definitely check out his stuff. Uh, you've been listening to Second Operator. Thank you so much for joining us on this live stream and being part of this awesome community. It's just getting started and I'm just so happy to have shared it with you guys that are right here right now watching it live. And of course, everyone listening to this later on, I really appreciate you guys checking out this podcast as well. If you want to get in touch with me or if you have any news or community shout outs that you, you know, want to get out there, uh, please connect with me on Instagram at second.operator. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at second underscore operator. Um, I had to get a different handle there for some reason. You can find us also right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash at sign second operator. And eventually you'll be able to find us on every podcast platform in the universe. If you want to go ahead and support our show, we are actually on Patreon now at patreon.com slash second operator. There's actually currently two Patreon tiers available and both tiers are going to get a pretty cool second operator sticker. So if you're interested, please go check that out. It would mean just the world to me if you did. Um, I haven't printed the stickers yet and I really want one too. So as soon as the first person signs up, I get to print them and then I get one too. So it's a win-win for all of us. But you also get to support a show that's going to be putting you guys in the spotlight um, as Dallas and portable synthesizer musicians. So it's an amazing, amazing um, opportunity for me to showcase you guys on the show. Next week, we're going to be interviewing Ainsworth the Musician, who is a OP1... Um, Korg Volka uh, desktop synthesizer artist out of Toronto. So really, really cool stuff um, happening uh, next uh, next time on Second Operator. Uh, please keep an eye on my Instagram page. Um, you can subscribe to this channel on YouTube, and we will let you know exactly when that stream will be. It might not be Tuesday. It could be Wednesday, but, um, but we will let you know then. Um, a huge, huge thank you to everyone for joining here tonight. We will catch you in the next one.